Welcome to a special roundtable edition of the Marvelous Madams podcast. I'm your host, Madam Chris. Today, I'm joined by three esteemed guests for a deeper discussion of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Hello, everyone. My name is Hanako, and I am from Atlanta, Georgia, and I am the creator and host of the Phantom Hybrid podcast. I am Robert Young. I'm from uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and uh, I was a recurring guest with uh, Rebecca Theodore Vachon on the Spectrum Lounge podcast. I am Daryl Taylor. I am in New York, and I am the host, one of the hosts of the Mighty Marvel podcast. So since Falcon and the Winter Soldier really held a mirror up to American society, I want to start with a brief discussion of how you guys all felt about the Derek Chauvin trial and verdict, which serendipitously took place during the run of the show. I was going to say, I'll go ahead and start since uh, I basically live uh, less than a mile from the courthouse where it took place. I'm, I'm in downtown Minneapolis. So it hit pretty close to home uh, for me. We basically uh, looked like we were occupied by uh, uh, the army for about a a whole month. And uh, I got to say that whole probably two weeks leading up to it where it was pretty tense here. And um, I'm just kind of glad that everything turned out the way it was. And it was kind of odd or I guess uh, serendipitous that that happened in the middle of this show's run. Absolutely. Hanukkah, how about you? For me, I think there was first a moment of disbelief. Like when I saw that he was found guilty on all charges, I literally just sat and stared at my computer screen for a long moment, just really allowing the words to be absorbed into my brain and into my being. Um, Just the fact that after all of the different cases that we have seen um, where people of color are being gunned down for no good reason, just to have some accountability at this point felt like such a win. But I only had that feeling very briefly because I know that the work is not done. I know that African-Americans and people of color are not done being gunned down in the streets by people in authority. As much as we would like that to happen, that's just not our reality. Um, Even just a few hours after the Chauvin um, verdict was passed down, we had another case of a teenage girl being killed by the police. And so there's still a lot of work to do. And there's a lot that still needs to be changed in this country. But I felt a small moment of relief just once that someone is actually going to be held accountable for their actions. And in that small moment, I felt like we weren't invisible, like we weren't being ignored, like black lives actually do matter. Daryl, your thoughts? Um, well, (laughs) being, being uh, at the age I am, I am so I, I came up in the in the eighties where <laughs> it was uh, uh, it was it was such a, a rough time to be a kid, and you know my mother had to give me being a black male, I had to get the talk about how you deal with police, and you know I've seen the roundups in New York, and uh, a close buddy of mine, one of his classmates, was one of the Central Five that got arrested. Um, And so it affected, you know, like that was from a young age. I mean, you know, police brutality has been something that I've just been used to, sadly, but been used to. So when it, I really didn't celebrate the verdict. First, I was kind of surprised that they did it. And then in New York, 
at least with uh you know with the protest we've gotten in new york we finally got it where uh, a cop's record can be opened when there's a case and that was something that we've been fighting forever since they passed that uh uh law that kind of locked their um if there's any kind of lawsuits or whatever it kind of locked their uh, uh history so you wouldn't know if they've had other cases of police brutality or not so this is you know finally that was something that was done and this happened before the verdict so it's just a point of i'm cautious i'm optimistic but i'm always cautious because we in america we have a very short-term memory yep you're right like, about that this happens now and then it's done and then another thing happens, you know, then another person's murdered, then another, you know, then there's another case and then and then we forget and then it happens again and again and again and again. Um, so I, I really just have to look at it and and uh, and just we always have to be mindful of every case and we always have to remember the cases and not forget them a year later or two years later. Because sometimes it takes three years, three to four years to get any kind of um, accountability on these cases. We still have Rihanna Taylor uh, going on right now yeah. um, and, and they're still not working fast enough. And how long has it been, you know, with that happening? Um, so you just constantly have to you always have to be ready. Like I, it's sad, but yet you do as a as a person of color, you constantly have to be ready and prepared to deal with the next time it happens because it can, you know, it just, it's just the way it is. Um, and we always have to be cautious when we vote and we always have to be cautious when, uh, you know, when they're, they're not, politicians are not held accountable for things. And we, you know, again, we forget when they run and we wind up voting just to keep the other guy out. Cause we know they're worse, but we also have to hold people accountable for what, they promise that they're going to do. So uh, it's it's going to it's a struggle that's not going to be over. I mean, I hear everyone, you know, kind of with the Black Lives Matter and people that are involved in it. You kind of hear it like, ah, once this has happened, it's all over. We're done. Like we've we've done it. Like, but then you have to remind them there are so many cases I could throw at you that you don't even know about. Um, it's only because of now with cameras and phones and you know, all that kind of stuff in the internet that we hear about this stuff. But what so many cases that you just don't even know. Every time you turn around, you can find another case where uh, somebody has, you know, been uh, uh, illegally searched or stopped or shot or beaten and on camera. <laughs> and uh, and still, I mean, we even have cases where to get around certain mm -hmm. things, in California, they were playing music over the recording so that it wouldn't be allowed to be on Twitter. <sighs> Which is that that's you, you constantly have to be ready because that's the kind of, you know, like there's always going to be people that are going to fight any accountability for the police. Uh, and that's all we want. Like, it's not a thing of I, I don't want any cop to be hurt or killed. Or, you know, like I, I police should there should be uh, police in our communities, but there's but there's a reason they're there and it shouldn't be <laughs> to keep us at bay. That's the thing, like it's constantly have to remind them that we are part of the so-called, uh, you know, community that you're supposed to be protecting. You know, you're not supposed to be protecting us from others, you know. Um, so it's just a constant thing that you have to, to deal with and remember. So I think caution is a good way to uh, segue into the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, because that's really what Sam is dealing with in that first episode when he decides not to take the shield is that caution. And for a lot of us, uh, definitely myself and Amy, we didn't understand Sam's caution at first. We didn't understand why he would be so reticent to take the shield. And as the weeks went by, we really 
started to understand his journey along with Isaiah Bradley's journey. So let's talk about how you guys think the show did. Let's kind of, you know, grade it in a way on how it did showing the realities of American society. What were the most impactful moments for you? I think for me, one of the biggest moments or biggest storyline arcs in the show was watching Sam's progression from being offered the shield by Steve to actually accepting the mantle and taking on the personification of Captain America. One of the things that people seem to forget is that Steve, when he became Captain America, he was not just given that title. He was not given that role. Steve volunteered to get the super soldier serum. And even after he got the serum, he was basically there as um, as a front. He was supposed to be like the face for what the country wanted people to think Americans as. And he wasn't allowed to do missions. He wasn't allowed to actually be in the military. You know, he was there as Captain America, but he was not a soldier. Steve had to fight to earn the title. He had to fight to earn the respect that he eventually received. And he did so by breaking rules. He went and saved a thousand soldiers that the military was pretty much going to write off. You know, these, these men are lost. They had no feasible way of going to rescue them. And Steve put himself on the line to go and rescue them, especially after he heard that his best friend was one of the soldiers that was there. So Steve actually did the work to become Captain America. And I think that's one of the things I respected about Sam not immediately taking the mantle when Steve offered it to him because he hadn't earned it at that time. This was one of the things that we talked about in terms of John Walker on our show. John Walker, yes, he may have been a good soldier. He may have been a good man at the time, but he did not earn the title of Captain America. And as we saw with his mental downfall just during the course of the show, he was not equipped to take on that mantle and equipped to take on those responsibilities. And so to see someone like Sam be offered this incredible opportunity to become like this, this huge national monument, because that's pretty much what Captain America is and that's how they treat him. To see him actually take some time to consider what does it mean to be Captain America? What does it mean for a black man to be Captain America? For him to go through and do all of the work and really do some soul searching to see if this was something that he wanted. And then the reveals of everything afterwards, um, Isaiah Bradley and what his story is and what he went through. I think it gave Sam a bigger appreciation for what the role is. And just to see that kind of character development with him was very impactful for me because this is someone who wasn't doing anything to be a hero. He genuinely wanted to make a difference, even with Carly and her followers to see the issues that they were fighting for. They weren't fighting for stupid issues. They weren't fighting for world dominance or world control, or at least that's not how it started. She just wanted them to be treated like everyone else. And those issues, I think, are very impactful and they're very relevant to the world that we are in today. And so seeing that on screen was was very impactful for me. Yeah, I think that's the biggest difference that like the audience can see between John Walker and Sam is that like Sam knew that he had to earn it and he didn't feel that he was worthy of it in the beginning. And uh, John Walker just just took it. You know, he, he never thought he needed to earn it. And I think maybe some of that has to do with the fact that Sam actually had a relationship with Steve Rogers 
and he was able to see how Steve kind of like evolved with like if you from first Avenger, I mean, he didn't see him until uh, the Winter Soldier, but even from like the Winter Soldier to uh, Civil War and then to Endgame, you can see like how Cap goes from he gets further and further away from like the patriotic government vision of Captain America. And he becomes more and more of, you know, he's just following his own heart and his own, uh, his own honor. And, and he, he basically in, in, in the second movie, he basically started distrusting the government and, and it just got to the point where he knew that he couldn't count on you know these these organizations so he just followed his own heart and um i think that's kind of like the that having that relationship with steve kind of helped sam kind of like see the same thing and realize that he has to figure this out on his own but as far as like what impacted me the most it's definitely the isaiah bradley story you know i had read that comic before seeing this but just the fact that they they actually started telling that story like completely surprised me i didn't think marvel would touch that so it was great to see and then carl lumley as an actor he was just he knocked that out the park like he's one of the best parts of the entire series he was absolutely phenomenal he is. I don't know if he has technically enough screen time for Emmy consideration, but I hope he does. I, do, I hope so, too. Yeah, I think he is the biggest. Uh, he was my favorite part of it. But the, I think with Sam, there was always that sidekick part of of Sam, even in his own head, that Steve was he was he followed Steve's lead. Right. Steve was the one who. You go, I go where you, you know, where you go. I follow where you go kind of thing. And to give him something like the shield and not realizing the impact that would have, um, it's it's almost made me think of the same with um, the same with Tony Stark and and Rhodey. When Rhodey was looking at Sam and kind of saying to him, why don't you take the shield? I thought to myself, he should have replied with, well, why don't you take the mantle of Iron Man? Why don't you do that? Like, why do you feel like you don't deserve that mantle? Just like I don't feel like I deserve the mantle of Captain America. Wow, I hadn't even considered that. The first thing I thought of, it's such a, because there is that sidekick kind of kind of label that they were given, right? Uh, even yeah. when he was in Avengers 2, and uh, what he said to Steve, where he said, your world is crazy. He was like, you know, this is your world and your world is crazy. Like, I don't even I shouldn't even be in this world. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll just investigate your friend and find, try to see if I can help you find your friend. But this whole Avengers thing, this is not me. This is not what I do. And I think he had to go through. He had to grow up a little bit. His sister kind of got the world and understood it a little bit more than he did. I think he was a little bit more idealistic, which is something you like about him. But at the same time, it could also be a detriment to dealing with the world also. Like his sister kind of had to, which I love that relationship, but the sister had to kind of had to remind him that, look, yeah. it, it, you know, Iron Man never thought to help you out. Like you, you served this world. You saved. You helped save the world too, a, a, quite a few times. And no one thought to to give you any kind of help or support, or you know, like you were just left out there like that. You know, like there's just there was just that kind of thing where Steve just gave you the shield and bounced, like to not even vouch for you to the public or anything like that. To to give that to a black man. In this day and age still, it's rough like to, to have to hold that, you know, that that mantle where, you know, there's a lot of people in this world, this 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 country, this world that are going to look at him and go, 
that's not my Captain America. That's not somebody that represents America to me. And then on the other side, yeah, you're going to have to deal with a lot of damage that uh, was done to people of color uh, under that flag, right? All of that. And then he didn't even know about Isaiah Bradley yet. Like, so when he does find out about that, I mean, just the pain of that to think that for 30 years, they took a man, they took a black man, gave him the the serum. It worked. They grabbed him and put him in jail and kept him there for 30 years while they experimented on him. And there's no justice for it either. He still doesn't have justice for it. I mean, even with the statue is nice and all that, but this man still lost 30 years. 30 years and no one's being held accountable for it. He still has to worry about being killed because they would take him out instead of thinking they wouldn't want to deal with this. Mm-hmm. But I kind of wish that he did put it out there, not that he's still alive, but put it out there that he did all those things, that they did all these things to him and other people of color um, just so they could deal with it. Cause I would want them to deal with it. Like it, it that's, that's kind of a, a feeling that I think I, or maybe I, hopefully it'll come out later in the movie or whatever, but I do think it is a Disney movie. And I, you know, it is a corporate thing and you're only going to go so far. You don't want to turn off your audience uh, completely because it is a superhero world, right? You don't want to mm-hmm. go too far into that. But yeah, I, I, I did uh, the impact of Isaiah Bradley. Uh, like I, did, I didn't think they would go that far in terms of how he explained it, like, and how he went, how deep it went into what they did to that man. Like, it's still because uh, you can think about it today of how many how many people were, you know, who are unjustly in prison because they fought the system, uh, fought it legally and was still imprisoned or murdered. Uh, you think of the Panthers, you think like that. All that stuff got in my head. You know, when you think of what they did to Isaiah Bradley, I think of I think of that like, you know, they blew up a neighborhood in Philadelphia with women and children because they wanted to make a point. They wanted to prove a point. They wanted to quiet uh, uh, a people. And no one's been held accountable for that. Like that happened and it's gone. There's so many things this country has done to, to black people that are horrible and to other people, Asians uh, as well and Hispanics, that if you, if you even taught it in school, people wouldn't believe you. They would not believe you. Uh, you know, so it, yeah, that, that was a, a big impact for me. You mentioned that you were surprised that Marvel pushed this hard and, and went this far. And, you know, there were a lot of discussions on impact on audience and it did turn a lot of people off. And I'd love to know your reactions <laughs> to a lot of the ignorance that was out there on <laughs> social media. Um <laughs> Because there was certainly a lot of it. And it was both explicit and implicit racism because there were people who were being just outright awful racist. And then there were people who just didn't get it, who did not understand what this show was trying to do or the message it was trying to get across, even through the finale. So I'd love to get your takes on... uh, some of the conversations you saw or conversations you had? Mm. I got to be honest. I tried to steer it. it, Like it got really hot really fast uh, after the finale. And I'll say that I expected it um, because I kind of like noticed that like it seems like when each of the series is over, like even with WandaVision, like any of like the really heavy topics that that happen, people get like their their hot takes off like once mm-hmm. the finale drops. So I kind of expected it and I kind of steered away from it as much as possible. But um like it, it's kind of like a lose lose situation. Like there's one thing, Mark the fact the fact that they talked about some of these issues at all completely surprised me but you know they could only push it so far so you have like the side of people that are like you know this is like a dumbed down version 
of this kind of stuff. And then, like you said, then you have just like the outright racist people that don't believe anything like this could even happen. And it's, 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 I guess it's frustrating is, is what I'll say, (laughs) but, but it was expected, you know, I expected as much and I'm glad that they went in as the amount that they went in. Um, But uh, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. (laughs) So do you, do you think that what we saw on the show, do you feel that was accurate or that it's mild compared it's mild. to what it's, it's mild. Mild. Okay. mild compared to our real history? Yeah, yeah, it's mild. It's mild. And for some, it's, it's probably extreme because there's mm-hmm. fandom can be tiring, <laughs> uh, especially when it comes to color. I was just having this conversation on a, a podcast this morning about like, why wouldn't you want? Uh, uh, to th- why wouldn't you want a black Superman? Meaning, making Kal El a black Superman, and it was, I wouldn't want it because of the conversations that are co- going to come out of it, out of that, because they're not going to be thoughtful conversations. Even, even so-called journalists that discuss it on s- supposed major websites, the, the discussions on race and you know all. And gender, and it just it just it becomes a jumbled mess because we don't talk to each other. We just shout our speech, and then we walk away. And then, then when the next person says something, we come back and we shout it down, and then we walk away again. Like so, it's not you know that it's not going to be a real discussion about all of this stuff that's going on. That could be it could be thoughtful conversation, but. Podcasts are because you can pick and choose who you want on it, so you know you're not going to get somebody that's going to go crazy and spout off really <laughs> racist stuff unless that's the kind of show that you are. But when it's on Twitter or Facebook or whatever or Reddit, or it, there's just no there's no way of knowing how how left that conversation is going to get or someone taking it a certain way. Because even with WandaVision, I was like. To me, Wanda was the villain at the end, not because of the pain she went through, but because she repeated the same things that Tony Stark did. She impeded her own will on other people and forced them to do things that were wrong. And she killed other people and didn't learn from it, right? Even though it was accidental. Even having that conversation, it turned into, well, then you have to hate women if you feel that. Like, it turned into, I saw conversations turn into that. Where if you said one thing, it turned into that thing, and then it, it went crazy. And with this, it it you know like to say that this would happen it means you hate America, and oh, like it turned into a whole thing that it didn't need to be. But because we can't look at a, at a we can't look at a subject and go, this country has done horrific things, but it's also a great country because of the other things it's done as well. Like we can have both. You can be both of those. Um, and we don't have those kind of conversations anymore. And sadly, a lot of people don't know history anymore because it's not taught. So they think all this stuff is just fantasy, fantasy that just came out of nowhere. When Watchmen came out and they talked about that town, <laughs> yeah. no one wanted to believe that they would murder a town full of you know black people because it was successful. That's crazy. No one would do that. And then, and I had already knew those stories because of family from down south who had told those stories. So that was normal for me. I knew that. It wasn't a surprise. But because we don't teach it, there's so many kids who, or and by kids I mean in their 20s, that just don't know this kind of history. So it's a surprise to them. Or they get they react in an angry fashion because they have people in their family that are, that are in the military and you know they want to believe in the greatest generation, period. They don't want to believe that some of these things can happen and uh, and we do have things, this country does have things to atone for. Um, so yeah, it, it uh, it's the conversation that could get really, really tiring, uh, especially when you're someone of color because it just turns into a whole thing you have to explain. Like even if it, even when I had people try to tell me how I'm supposed to feel about race or, or subjects. Like I'm not mad enough 
or like <laughs> I've even had that. Like I was, mm-hmm. I was told, you know, like, you know, why are you not angry every day? It's like, because I've lived it every day. Like if we, if we were sitting angry every day with this, we would not be, we would not be able to function if, you know, if we, if we just kept all that stuff in, like if we just do, we just got angry at every time something happened, every time a cop looked at you with a look or put his hand on on the butt of his gun when he walks past you and he doesn't do that for somebody that doesn't look like you. Like if we got angry every time that happened, we wouldn't be able to function in this world. Uh, so that's why it's 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 all these conversations that come out of it that are not intelligent and they don't want to learn anything from that conversation either. That's the thing that's the hardest about fandom now is that they don't. It used to be a time you'd want to learn from the other person's experiences, you know, but now it's like, no, I just want to shout this thing at you. You shout this thing back at me. And then that's it. So. What you said there about people telling you, you know, you should feel differently. That's kind of the point Sam made with mm-hmm. Isaiah Bradley. You know, I respect you. I appreciate mm-hmm. all you've right. done, but you don't have the right to tell me how to mm-hmm. feel about this. Yep. Yeah. I think for me, my experience on social media after the finale and even during the course of the show and also with WandaVision was a little bit different because I must have had some very good or some very weird algorithms in my social media because I actually had to look for the negative stuff instead of coming across it on my feet. Not completely, but I didn't see a lot of the hate and a lot of the vitriol spewed until I was scrolling through my TikTok or, you know, just kind of randomly checking hashtags on Twitter or Instagram just to kind of get an idea of what people were saying. So I think too, also the people that I surround myself with, my fellow geek friends, my you know, regular friends, my family, the people who are into the Marvel universe like I am and watch it had nothing but positive stuff to say. I mean, even about the parts that were horrible, they had positive things to say about the way that Marvel brought those ideas to the forefront or the way that Marvel portrayed those in the show. It's like they didn't shy away from anything and You know, we got to see a lot of our real world issues reflected within the show. You saw Sam being confronted by the police when he had an argument with Bucky and the police automatically assuming that Sam was the aggressor in this conversation. When, if you look at the history of the show and of these two characters, Sam is actually the stand-up guy. He's the one without a criminal record. He's the one who, you know, has not had any issues with the law aside from what he got into once he joined the Avengers. Um, But Bucky is the one who was a trained assassin for decades. He's the one who had to be pardoned by the president. So we get to see how those um, those cops or those people make assumptions based on what a person looks like Um, with Carly Morgenthau and the Flag Smashers. They were fighting for real issues. We have this situation now in the world where, you know, especially in our country here in the United States, people are so adamant about keeping refugees out and about keeping immigrants out. And it's just become this really, really, really ugly thing where neighbors are turning on each other. We have children in cages who have been separated from their parents for who knows how long. And it's not a recent thing. This has been going on for a long time. So just the conversations that I've seen about the issues tackled with the show, for the most part, like I said, in my own bubble, things have been fairly positive, but I have seen the negative people. I have seen the ignorant people, the, you know, the ones who are like, oh, you guys are always trying to put race into it. This isn't about race. You guys are just making it that way. I don't know what show they were watching. They clearly weren't watching the same show as the rest of us. 
And I've also seen the argument of people complaining about the fact that, oh, we didn't have to deal with this kind of stuff when Steve was Captain America. They didn't have these kinds of issues in the forefront. Okay, so the thing that I think people, the thing that we fail to remember when it comes to Steve and his experience and, you know, also the mindset he may have had in giving Sam the shield and not thinking about the implications of Sam having the shield. We have to think about it with the Avengers movies and actually with most of the MCU, most of their big bad has been, as Sam says, the big three, they've been dealing with otherworldly villains and issues. So the things that are going on here in our day, you know, and time with race relations, with, uh, you know, global issues, those things are important, but maybe for someone like the Steves and the Thors or whatever, it wasn't their main focus because they were dealing with otherworldly threats. You know, they were dealing with a Titan who wanted to eliminate half of the population of the entire universe, not just Earth. So I think with Steve, it wasn't a matter of him not understanding. He It was probably just ignorance and not ignorance in a bad way, just that because those things didn't directly affect him, it's not necessarily going to be something that he thinks about. I know for a lot of my white friends, they don't think about what African-Americans have to go through. Even me as an Asian and African-American, they don't think about what I have to go through on both of those spectrums because it doesn't directly affect them. With Sam and with the show Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we didn't deal with any of those otherworldly issues. Everything that Sam was dealing with was something on the home front. It was something directly related to his life. We have to remember Sam was one of only a handful of human Avengers or superheroes that, you know, he didn't have super speed. He didn't have super strength. He didn't have, you know, an an, an armored costume that made him practically indestructible i mean he had his wings and they made him a little bit enhanced but not enhanced in the ways that the others were you get what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so for him to have to come home and deal with things like not being able to get a loan from a bank or dealing with carly morgenthal and her issues her issues were issues that we are facing here in the States, but on a more global scale, that was something that Sam could relate to. And it wasn't, it wasn't something that was so magnanimous that he couldn't wrap his his head around it. You get what I'm saying? It's like his show and that show was supposed to show us what we deal with on a regular basis because that's Sam's world. Sam has to deal with being a black man in America. Sam has to deal with the police automatically assuming that he is the one in the wrong when he and Bucky are arguing on the street. He has to deal with not being able to get a loan because he can't account for his finances over the last seven years. He has to deal with those things on a very real level. Steve didn't really have to deal with that. Most of the others wouldn't have had to deal with that. They're dealing with things that are outside that scope. And so for someone to watch this show and say, oh, I don't want to see that. That's not realistic. Why are y'all always putting race in it? They're missing the whole point of the series. And also, I have to say, I think if they had gotten anyone else to direct this show, it wouldn't have been as effective. But the way that Malcolm Spellman wrote this show and the way that he presented it, I don't think it was so in your face, in your face, but it was very obvious. Look, you guys may think that this is us pushing pushing an agenda, but this is what we have to deal with every day. Now, whether you choose to see it or ignore it is on you, but don't get mad that the conversation is happening because this happens every single day in this country. And so for the people who are upset about seeing it in their fiction, in their fantasy, for people who are upset about having to have these conversations, ask yourself why we are having to put this thing, these things in your fiction and in your fantasy. 
Why is it that they have to be there? Because this is part of what is really going on and those conversations need to be had. And until we don't have to have those conversations, I think people should stop expecting that fantasy and that fiction is going to shy away from them. There is no perfect world. There's not a world where you can talk about these things or not talk about these things. I have a realistic story. I don't think if they would have presented this, this show without any of those issues, I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much, even though those issues were hard to look at. Those issues were hard to discuss. I have seen a lot of healthy dialogue around this show because of the things that it presents. And again, also for those people who are complaining about, you know, Captain America being black and having this race issue, and this is not what I want to see, pick up a fucking comic book. This is what Marvel is. This is what Stan Lee was about. I'm not even a comics person, and I know that much. So if you want to complain about this stuff being brought in how about you go look at your source material this the these stories have been decades in the making you know sam didn't just become captain america so you know i just like i said i had to look for a lot of the negativity i did see it i didn't see it a lot in my own timeline but that's because the things, the things that I follow, the people that I follow, the people that I'm friends with, we all are kind of sort of in the same mindset when it comes to those types of things. So I think maybe that algorithm, that negativity just didn't come across mm-hmm. my timeline, which I'm thankful for because I don't want to see that. But at the same time, it's, it's nice, or I won't even say it's nice. It's good to go and look and see what the other half is thinking, you know? Oh. Truth never did like truth didn't sell when it came out like the comic. I remember the ancient times of the message boards where <laughs> when they came out with truth, they got they got a lot of backlash from people saying, I don't want my cap because they thought that they were they thought that that they were gonna say something like Cap knew about it and and never did anything about it. And then it was revealed that he didn't know that they were doing this, like that was a big deal. Like this whole thing of mm-hmm. what they were doing was a big deal. And I will, and I kind of will say, even with Stan, you know, putting real world stuff in the comics, Cap has been kind of a, he's kind of been put as like the untouchable, clean character for a while. Like they even had it where he didn't use guns. You know, like after that beginning point of him being in comics, after that, they even tried to imply that he never killed anyone in combat. Like that was the kind of the implication that he never did any of that stuff. And then when uh, Ed Brubaker came in and wrote Cap, he kind of updated the character more and had it that, yes, he did kill people, but in combat. He did use guns, but he was in war when he used guns. Like it wasn't something he would, you know, mm-hmm. not something that he enjoyed doing or whatever. Like, you know, kind of like how the movie kind of portrays it. Not something he likes to do, but it's something that when it's necessary, he will do it. So they had to kind of update it. But there, but I see why there are people who have this fantasy of, even though Cap is a political character in itself, that no, he's just a superhero because people only like what they read when they were, you know, from the comic fans, like people only seem to think about the books that they read when they, when they grew up, but they don't realize that more of the source material had different stories in it. They just don't want to acknowledge it a lot of times. And, and so that, that's also a, a thing we have, because we're having that issue in, con, in, in fandom now in comics where there's a uh, there's a set of people who think comics are only good from a certain point and everything recent, meaning because now we have more people of color as writers and, and creators, now it's no good. Like everything is a woke thing. Everything is a, is a woke nation kind of thing as opposed to it's just people growing up. Like it's just, you know, like there's just more people involved in comics 
that are of color. There are more women reading comics than there were before. Um, that's what's happening. And, and more women read them, the more they want to write them and draw them. Uh, the same thing with other people of color. So that's a battle we're having in, 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 in the comic world also, just like with the shows where people just want fantasy only and they don't want anything else. I mean, that's what happens when the stories that were being told all those years before were only your stories. And that's why they, you know, they don't want to acknowledge all the stories coming out now. They got to hear their stories for decades and decades, and they don't want to share that universe with the rest of us. Yeah. I think it, I think people don't realize that as you get older or as the world <laughs> changes, the things that you ingest are going to change with them. And these people who are upset, they don't want to change which is sad, who wants to stay the same way forever? You know, these are all great points. And a lot of it comes back to John Walker and the way he's portrayed a lot of these conversations. And what you guys are touching on is, and, you know, I say this having grown up in the kind of white family that would be saying very nasty things about this show, is that there's an inherent insecurity in a lot of white people and fear that's just baseless. Yeah. It's their own ignorance. Mm -hmm. And how do you feel like that was mirrored with John Walker's insecurities? How do you feel about his portrayal? I don't think it's, it was, it was, a, I, I don't think it was a coincidence that they had him have a woman of color be his wife. Not I, at all. I, I think that that was a, I think that was a way to hopefully make it so you don't hate this guy too much because we're going to do other things that'll, that'll get you angry about what he does. And we <laughs> want to show you, we want to show you, hey, he's not like he has a black best friend and he has a person, a woman of color as his wife. So he's not, he's not racist. It's like, before you think that he's not racist, but he is flawed. Mm -hmm. Right. So that mm -hmm. I mean, and even in the comic, he wasn't he wasn't racist. He wasn't. But he was fought. He was he was quick to temper. He he followed orders without questioning those orders. Like, again, mm -hmm. like this, uh, that that's definitely part of the show where he didn't question anything. He They told him to go hunt. He went and hunted like he, already. We already see that he's not the, the right cap. But he's the right cap for America, the, the government that got him, because they wanted one that would listen, because Steve didn't listen. Steve questioned things. Steve, Steve was willing to put down that shield and still serve the country, just not serve the government. Yep. That was like, you know, that, that was a constant argument that he kept having as he uh, you know, the longer he was on, you know, in on in this timeline was the, you know, about how uh, uh, the government wanted just someone to just follow orders and let it go. Uh, and that's, you know, that's a constant. So yeah, Walker was, was definitely that guy mm -hmm. who, they picked somebody who was not mentally stable, even though they said they gave him all those tests. He had problems. He was not mentally stable. He'd been through a lot, right? He, we know he's been through a lot of, of stuff. He just had an altercation when they allude to the conversation in the mall when that person takes a picture, he, him and Lamar had that conversation of they did some stuff that would, they probably still need to be in some sort of therapy to deal with. And they didn't, they fast tracked him and put him out there because he'll follow orders. He'll do what we want him to do. And there's a lot of jumping from Walker. I, I saw a lot of people implying like he was just, racist and evil and like it just went overboard like I, you know like he was flawed he did do some terrible things but at the same time like it seemed like there was an extreme plus uh, people were really thinking he was bad and was giving he was having death threats and stuff like that which was crazy to me yeah 
Um, but again, that's another problem with fandom where we get so caught up in stuff where it's not everybody, but there's just a segment that gets so caught up in these things that we like that we lose our sense of reality, it seems, which is also becoming a problem. Because even with having so much entertainment, having so much, all the shows and the films and the stuff, it's like people, especially over this pandemic, yeah. it seems like people are engulfing this stuff to the point where they'd rather be in this world than be in the world that they're in, the real world. And so they don't know how to come, you know, they don't have, they don't know how to enjoy it and then come out of it and deal with their own stuff. So they kind of put their baggage into these things to the point where it becomes, they're online like insane fighting about this stuff. Uh, when when there's things that they don't like, the direction that the character takes that they don't like, uh, uh, a death of a character, they don't like, all of it. Like it just becomes kind of a too intense kind of situation. Robert, as an Air Force veteran, did you have uh, an even different take on Walker? Different feelings? I know a lot of guys like that. That's what I'll say. I, I, I've flown, I, when I was in, I, I was air crew, so I've flown with guys like that. I've flown in support of guys like that. Um, I thought they did a really good job kind of chronicling how uh, men that serve and come back have trouble reintegrating back and, you know, being a civilian again, or in his case, um, not taking the time to have counseling and stuff before doing something as important as becoming Captain America, you know? So uh, they, I, I feel like they've done a really good job with that in general, going back to Winter Soldier and Sam being a counselor, you know, for vets and even just dealing with mm -hmm. Steve throughout his time in the military, they do a pretty good job um, being realistic, uh, treating the military people. So uh, I, I'll have to give them that. But I, I know, I know a lot of guys like, like John Walker, and he definitely like needs to be going to like group counseling. He does not need to be putting on Captain America uniform. <laughs> Or give it a super soldier suit. Well, he did that on his own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, technically speaking, they didn't do that. But, but um, I think for me, the character of John Walker, like seeing his character art from the first time we're introduced to him all the way till the end, I never looked at his character as a racist character. And you know, I think more so I looked at it as he was supposed to be representative of that certain demographic of white person that, you know, may not be, I don't think he's outwardly racist. I don't even think he's unconsciously racist, but there are some people who have a sense of privilege that, you know, they can be a person who gets along with everybody, they can be an ally, but the moment that their particular privilege is in jeopardy, those little microaggressions start coming out. And I felt like that's kind of what John Walker was supposed to represent that type of person. Like, yes, he's the person who has the black best friend. He has the uh, black wife, but those characters were always secondary to him and his purpose like correct me if i'm wrong john walker's wife didn't even have a name no she did not like no. i never mm -hmm. heard her referred to as anyone mm -hmm. and she was always there as mm -hmm. the supportive wife yep. like but aside from that I, I mean like and we we discussed this on our um on our podcast it's like she really didn't serve a purpose to the story except to be a prop to john walker you know, so I noticed just those little things, um, the way that he talks to <laughs> Sam when he's not yeah. getting his way, you know, is this how you want to do this? Do you want to go there? Do I need to put my shield down? You know, like the minute Sam is like talking to him, but talking to him very 
um, you know, in a non-aggressive mm-hmm. way. He's talking to him very reasonably, but because it's not what John yep. Walker wants, he feels challenged. And he has to kind of, you know, stand his ground for that. The same with the Dora Milaje, you know, just the little microaggressions talking to them. Oh, okay. Well, you know, how about we put down the pointy sticks and, you know, touching her on her arm. Okay. Look, I think we got off on the wrong, just those little things, you know, I think was supposed to kind of show Uh us, okay, yeah, this person is not bad, but there are certain little things that he's doing that will make you question. And it's like that with a lot Mm. of people. You know, there are people who I know in my life, not racist, or I would not consider them racist. I would consider them allies for people of color. And there have been a couple of times when you can see that little bit of privilege get checked and it's kind of like they momentarily Mm -hmm. lose themselves. I have seen it happen with people that I know and with people that I'm on the outside looking in. So I think that's what John Walker was supposed Uh to represent to us. And also just his, the status of his mental health. That was Mm -hmm. something else I think we were supposed Mm -hmm. to look at. But at the same time, it's one of those things where, you know, we see this with a lot of the cops who kill, um, you know, people of color. We see this a lot with um, just regular white criminals when they are charged with crimes, what is the one thing that we always hear? They're going for a mental health defense. They're mm-hmm. going for an insanity defense. And you you kind of see that parallel in this character. So I think John Walker was supposed to represent a lot of the things that are wrong with society and the way that we look at things. But at the same time, it's also supposed to show us how a good man can turn how he can change because nothing prior to him being the captain America or, you know, taking on that mantle, nothing points to him being a bad guy. Even when we first meet him in that first episode, he doesn't come off as a bad guy. He literally sits there and says, I just want to do a good Mm -hmm. job. I just want to, I just want to do what I'm supposed to. I want to be a good captain America. That's all he wants. But, you know, we, we joke about this and this is a, you know, talking about a Marvel product with great power comes great responsibility. And (laughs) I just don't think he was ready for that power or the responsibility that is required to take on that mantle. Again, he took on a mantle that he didn't earn and didn't have to go through any blood, sweat and tears to get it. Steve Rogers had to do it. I mean, Steve Rogers literally had to take an injection and go through a metamorphosis and then had to go through some other stuff in order to truly become Captain America. The same thing with Sam in this series. He had to go through a lot of changes. He had to go through some soul searching and he had to do some growing up on his own in order to take that mantle and be properly prepared to be the Captain America that we need. And I just don't think John Walker was ready for that. No, Walker was kind of reminded me of, of, uh, of some <laughs> police officers i I've known over the years where they could be good, nice, funny, the life of the party, but the minute they think that their authority is questioned, yeah, a switch goes off. And when the uh, <laughs> doormate, when they reacted with, they respected Sam, they respected Barnes, but they looked at him like, Listen, you go sit down. I have nothing. You you are nothing to us. Like these people I fought with. Like these people I fought. I fought in war with them. Like you, I don't even know you. Like you and the way that they just ignored him. Yeah. That's when the switch went off for him. Like he started to really, that's when he really, he was losing it. When they, when they pretty much spanked him <laughs> and and then gave back his, they threw the shield at him, basically. They were like, you're not even worth us taking the shield. It's not even yours. Yeah, whereas where Sam, Sam and Steve were driven by their hearts, Walker is driven by his ego at, at every turn. Right. Very much and it, so. And it, and it helps that Sam was also someone who had probably been through therapy already. Yeah. Because he had, he was teaching. He was also helping others. Mm-hmm. So he had, he'd done the work on himself yep. too when he came home. So he was able to deal with 
Mm-hmm. Like he kind of counseled Steve in a way. I mean, that that's kind of the sad thing about the movies is you never really get to go deep enough because you just don't have time, right? Mm-hmm. But you could, but you could almost see that they've had discussions where he helped Steve to adjust. He was the person talking to him. That's that's kind of why I never really thought of him, at least in the MCU, as a sidekick. Because I feel like he helped Steve as much as yeah, Steve. We just him. never got to see it. We just never got to see it. But it was there. Right. right. Just, so it was like he he really did. Sam really did come to this whole thing and earn everything he got. He did. He earned it. But that wasn't what the government wanted. They wanted. They wanted Walker. They wanted somebody who's gonna. If I tell you to go shoot, you shoot that. If I tell you to 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 go chase it down, you chase that down. And I wish we could have gotten a little bit more yeah. of the motivation of the of Carly's group to explain it a little bit better of how the world is because it was pretty quick on. We just don't want to lose the resources. But I wish that they had we'd had a chance to do a little bit more. You only do it so much, but I wish that we could have gotten a little bit more with what was happening before they came back. Right. And why they're fighting so hard to keep it that, you know, to, to fight so hard about the, the, the commission. So Marvel made big promises about representation and diversity on screen moving forward. How do you guys think they're doing so far? And what do you want to see upcoming in projects like Black Widow, Shang-Chi, The Eternals, Ms. Marvel, etc.? I think I think they're doing a good job at least as far as with the superheroes, I feel like they're ahead of the curve with their diversity. I mean, we're seeing you, you, we're getting Asian superheroes, we're getting um you know, superheroes representative of the deaf and hard of hearing community. We're getting, there's just, there's so much that they're doing and that they're coming out with. And I really think that they are taking a very hands-on approach to um, making this a more diverse world and showing, you know, this is representative of the world that we have. You know, I I feel like they really are putting their money where their mouth is and they're giving us a world that is reflective of all of us. And I just, with all of these other things coming out, I'm like so excited to see what they, what they're doing next. And I really think that other companies um, should be taking heed of this (laughs) and following their example. Yeah. It's kind of funny because like I was already excited about phase four, you know, kind of like incorporating more and more um, of this. But the TV shows, like just seeing what we just saw with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like I feel like that's even going to be a bigger, it's going to have a bigger impact. You know, they get more time to to give to the stories and the TV shows. So I feel like like this particular one is kind of like the start of well WandaVision I mean mm-hmm. same thing but and then we have Armor Wars coming for Rhodey so Rhodey's going to be able to you know and that's going to have mm-hmm. Lionheart in it so you're going to have a, a young black woman superhero so we got a, like a lot of great stuff coming down the, the road on the TV side and you know not even touching the phase four um, movies which you know you got Kamala Khan coming in the Marvels and you got uh, America Chavez who's going to be in uh, the multiverse Doctor Strange multiverse movie so and we even had Torres in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier who actually becomes Falcon in the comics so we got a lot of good stuff going on I think it's better now but I do think they took a minute to get here I'm I'm low. I'm more. I'm, <laughs> I, I don't go for they were doing such great ahead of the curve stuff for me. Uh, I was saying that behind the scenes, I saw that Warner Brothers were doing a lot of hiring of people of color and and women behind the scenes. Even though, and then they and Marvel was catching up in terms of hiring more writers and you know directors and stuff as it goes. So. 
I, I don't I don't do the head of the curve. They saw Black Panther did made a lot of money, and then they saw that you can have more people of color be in the front. But I'm more happy now that there are more people behind the scenes now at Marvel, so that you get to see, you know, all the stuff that we're seeing now, all the of the way that people of color and front and back and and uh, these characters that we, you know being adapted as well as they're being adapted. So I want behind yeah. and in front. I don't just want just yeah. to, you know, just to say you're doing something and but having people more people behind the scenes uh uh doing this stuff is, is important stuff too. Yeah Black Panther kind of put everything on overdrive for them. Like once that was a hit, they kind of like took it and ran with it after that. Right. Because Black Widow, they should have been a Black Widow movie years ago. Oh, don't even get me started. Oh, definitely. <laughs> exactly. It should have been exactly. after Winter Soldier. Exactly. Like, it should have been immediately after Winter yeah, Soldier. good point. Well, now we have the first three Disney Plus series all directed by women. Yeah. So that is yeah. refreshing. Yeah. 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 we get to a point where yeah. it's not even a, a big deal, that would be great. Where it's normal. You're absolutely right. Yeah. That's true. You're mm-hmm. right. Right. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like... Just the same as saying, oh, you, you know, the sky is exactly. blue. Yeah. Well, Hanako, Robert, Daryl, thank you so much for joining me on this roundtable episode. You have opened my eyes to a number of things, and I hope that our listeners will feel the same way. Thanks for having thank me. This was fun. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for asking. Um, seriously, you guys made me see stuff that I had never uh, never considered. And that was one of the reasons we wanted to do this. Um, just tell me how can Amy and I be better allies on the show? What can we do in general? I think you're doing it. I mean, I enjoy the show. I think you're having, you're, you're questioning things. I mean, I think yeah. that, uh, it's being open to, to conversations is the best thing you can do. And, okay. and this is right. showing that already. Yeah, and then also yeah. you know, being open to inviting people that you know can yeah. you, you can learn from, which right. is also great. Yeah, I was I, I completely echo both of those sentiments. Um, just you know, and and also not being afraid to ask uh-huh. questions like, "How can I be a better yeah. ally?" You know, not just assuming, oh, you know, I support black causes. I support black people. That makes me a good ally. That doesn't necessarily always make you a good ally. So the fact that you even want to ask these questions, that you want to have conversations Mm -hmm. like this, that's a great starting point. And, you know, just always make sure you have people that you can reach out to who will talk to you, who will be honest with you and, and, and let you know you know, what you can be doing and how you can be helping. That That's always a good thing. Yeah. Thanks again, guys. So everybody, have a great night. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. You too. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye. You too. You too. Nice talking with you guys. Nice talking with y'all. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of The Marvelous Madams. We officially kick off season three of the podcast this Wednesday, June 2nd, with Thor The Dark World. If you'd like to hear more from today's panelists, You'll find the links to their podcasts and social media in our show notes. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Marvel Madams. And for deeper dives that you won't hear on the podcast, check out our blog on themarvelousmadams.com, where infinity stones are a girl's best friend.